In John Cashin's ninth conference, he lists four forms of prayer. And uh, they are thanksgiving, penitence, resolution, intercession. And uh, this is good to remember uh, if we're stuck on prayer. It's one of the sort of prayer helpers or starters we can fall back on. So what do I say to God in prayer? It's good to have a certain structure. Uh, We don't often think of it, but when we have something to say to someone who means a lot to us, and it's something difficult or something really momentous, exciting. We usually rehearse it ahead of time. You know, we think about what we're going to say and we structure it in some way. So why not in prayer? Why not have some structure? It's not necessarily as artificial as it appears. Um, So our prayer should be somewhat habitual based on the structure of the liturgy in any case, especially the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. That is a formal way of saying thanks to God uh, in Christ who himself, you know, broke the bread and gave thanks to the Father. Uh, So that's our model for talking to God. As I say, it also, the the liturgy also includes these other things, penitence and intercession. And then prayers that help us to become more resolute in our intentions to serve God. So, So Cashin is building off of um, something he's got from St. Paul. Uh, But this idea of thanksgiving, penitence, resolution, intercession is also in the liturgy. So, uh, some some related sayings that have crystallized in my own thoughts uh, over the years, having to do with gratitude and the twin virtue that goes with gratitude, and that is humility. So it's something like this. Uh, I haven't formalized this yet. Uh, you know, the monks of Egypt would spend years and years and years polishing these sayings so they'd be really nice and, and taught, but I, I haven't done that. Ingratitude ruins even the best gift we receive, while gratitude uh, improves even the smallest gifts. Uh, in a similar way, pride ruins even our virtues Whereas humilities, humility makes our failings endearing. <laughs> so gratitude, when it's properly expressed, implies humility. They go hand in hand. Because if I acknowledge a gift from someone, uh, it puts me in that person's debt, right? It, I, I'm receiving something from someone. And uh, uh, I didn't take it for myself. I didn't go out and get it for myself. Uh, I I'm, I'm, might even be dependent on that person, right? And uh, in a good, you know, sort of up by your own bootstraps American culture, we don't like to be dependent on anybody, but we are. We're all dependent on, on others. Uh, even the very powerful are dependent on others. Uh, they don't grow their own food. They don't run the trains and trucks that bring the food to them and so on. Uh, We all were very much tied into a whole network of dependencies. And it's great to be grateful for that. It's good to be grateful for the truck driver who brings our food and the people in California who grow it and the people, the scientists who figure out how to transport it so you can have tomatoes in February, you know, that kind of thing. When I was a kid, you you couldn't do that. It was still, you know, I'm old enough that I remember when fresh tomatoes first came out in, in the summer, you know. And, you, and the apples came out in the fall. You couldn't just go get an apple in, in February. 
so the fact that we have that, uh, rather than take it for granted, we can be thankful that human beings have been so ingenious as to figure this out and uh, improve our life in so many ways. Uh, I send out, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 thank you letters a week. Uh, and it's humbling. It's humbling to, you know, many of you get these letters. Uh, every time I sit down and write one of those letters, I try to write at least something, even if it's just underlining the words thank you, uh, to acknowledge that this is a real person behind this gift who sent it to the monastery. And uh, we, we, we're dependent on all of our benefactors, and it's important to say thank you. Um, but as I say, it's humbling to do it uh, because, uh, um, you know, so, someone who's a major benefactor could decide to stop. Uh, uh, and uh, that person could decide to stop because I forgot to say thank you. You know, that happens. Uh, I don't properly acknowledge a gift. And, uh, you know, it, there's no, I'm not forcing, it's, if it's a gift, I'm not forcing anybody to give it. <laughs> I'm just relying on God's providence to move people's hearts to, to help us out. And amazingly, it works. You know, we're still here. We, we're, we're not insolvent. <laughs> um, and I, on behalf of the whole community, I'm admitting to our benefactors, we can't survive without the free generosity of all kinds of people. Uh, and I think any of the brothers who've ever worked on deposits or thank you letters has a similar experience. Like, wow, are all these people... Uh, and, and they're being so generous, you know. And so it's really important in the monastery that each brother thanks God for, for these benefactors every day. And we pray for them regularly in all kinds of ways. Um, now, uh, once uh, somebody asked Father Thomas Benedict, who was the prior previous to me, um, he was asking for a gift from, from a potential benefactor. And the person said, yeah, but what do you give to the church? And Father Thomas Benedict said, well, well I've given my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, so this is one of the key things for us as monks. We have to be who we say we are um, to, to give our lives to God to the best of our abilities and give everything we have and hopefully serve them as a model for oblates uh, to be generous with what God has given us and sharing it with others. Uh, I think in the monastery, one of, one of the things I find is that mutual love and dependence grow to the extent that we really give ourselves to God and see that my brothers don't, didn't have to do this. They didn't have to give their lives to God in this monastery. You know? um, it's very easy when you live with somebody all the time to think, what's wrong with him? He does that same thing all the time. You know, this is true in any family, right? Uh, it's easy to find the flaws in people that we live with. Uh, takes a, a discipline to remember their virtues and to celebrate those in some way. And so one of the things I've been pushing for over the years is when we have a brother's name day, when it's a saint's name day, uh, we, we sing a blessing for him, but then we find some way to think of all the things he contributes. Because it's, it's again, it's very easy to think, oh, he's supposed to do that. That's his job. But, you know, I've been in monasteries um, where, you know, brothers check out. And if they're in solemn vows, there's not much you can do. You can't force somebody to do something he doesn't want to do. Um, and you have to treat him with charity. And you never know. You may come around, you know. Um, so I think we, one of the things we are really blessed with in our monastery is excellent attendance at the liturgy. Um, we almost never have anybody miss for anything. And... Um, 
you know, so you, you guys have been great. You've made it to vigils both mornings. You, you do that for like five weeks in a row. It, gets, it kind of gets tough after a while. And then eventually you get used to it. But, you know, there are definitely days when the alarm goes off at 2.50 and I think, ah, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but I go to vigils and everybody's there. Miracle. Everybody's there. And it's so easy again to take that for granted and think, yeah, but he's supposed to be. I'm here. Why? Of course he should be there. No, we really have to say thank you that this happens. And to say thank you again to um, the, you know, all kinds of people we're dependent on. Um, uh, I, I had this uh, experience shortly after college. Um, I was living on my own. And, um, it's so easy to imagine in our uh, consumer economy that we, we, go out and earn money, and then we get what we want. It's very easy to overlook all the people who have very hard jobs. I've already talked about, you know, truckers and train workers and so on. You know, to be able to go to a 24-hour convenience store and get a snack. <laughs> um, it, it, I mean, in some ways, it's not fair to the people who work there, but we should really treat people who work jobs like that with kindness and gratitude because it's not easy to work a shift like that. Um, but just, you know, the fact that these lights turn on, the, you know, uh, I worked in the power utility up in Wisconsin for my summer jobs during college. And uh, the guys who work on the lines, who do, you know, work on the power lines, either above ground or below ground, that can be difficult work when um, uh, one year, uh, Christmas Eve, the power went out in um, the church and in what we call St. Benedict House back here. And all of our office computers were in that building because we had had a flood that year uh, in this building. So we had to move everything over there. And I hadn't printed the, the programs for Christmas Eve midnight mass yet. <laughs> and so we called into uh, ComEd it was about six degrees without wind chill that, that night. It was really cold. This guy came out um, uh, at about six o'clock in the evening, Christmas Eve, in his line truck. Um, there was something wrong with the uh, meter that we had. Um, it got compromised somehow when we had the church, to, the school demolished uh, next to the, uh, where there's the gravel lot now. And uh, it had compromised this, this meter, but we didn't know that. And when the power went out, it took this guy a long time to figure out what the problem was. And when he did find out what the problem was, he had to put a whole new meter in. And so he was here for about 45 minutes, got the power going, got everything printed on time. And I pray for this man every Christmas. <laughs> and he was so cheerful. It's like, Merry Christmas, Father. <laughs> Wow, thank you, you know. But we, we, we don't usually see those sacrifices. When the power goes out, we think, what's wrong with the comment? Why haven't they updated the infrastructure? Um, there are men and women out there working really hard to get the power going, I can assure you. And it's not always an exciting job. Um, and uh, it's amazing that we have power. Um, you, being part of an international congregation is helpful in these ways because... You know, our, our brothers, we had the superior and a delegate from Ghana at the meeting. Uh, you know, they usually don't have internet. 
we don't get to, we don't interact with them very much because we can't contact them most of the time. Um, uh, you know, they don't have the infrastructure we have. Uh, they're doing fine, but you know, the things again, we take for granted and forget to say thank you for our, our legion in our, our culture. So, but it's easy. You just start noticing things and saying, thank you. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not something that requires any expertise or study or anything. It just requires deciding uh, I'm going to take today and find five things to be thankful for that I haven't been before. Uh, I better get back to my notes here before I get too lost. Um, so, uh, gratitude in all circumstances. This is scriptural. You know, give thanks in all circumstances, St. Paul tells us. And this opens us to the mystery of God's presence because God is, his, he's organized all this stuff. And when things go well, we are acting in accord with God's will. You know, when people cooperate, God's intended us to live together. And uh, this opens us to a greater sense of his presence and a greater sense of what it means to be a, a loving person, uh, which brings us closer to God. Uh, and again, I, I wish I could speak as an adept of this. And so don't, don't think because I'm saying this that I don't struggle with this myself. Uh, I have to speak about this from the standpoint of what's true because of the gospel. Uh, so God allows all things to work for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So it's not easy to accept the difficult parts of life in a spirit of gratitude. Uh, and uh, if I can borrow from Garrick of Igni, blessed Garrick, the Cistercian, uh, I, I have to present you Christ wrapped in swaddling clothes because I don't have a better witness of my own uh, life and words, uh, but I'll offer you Christ, the God's word. Uh, the struggles of our life and the adversities that present us with the chance to live a cruciform life uh, can be lived in a spirit of gratitude and even joy. And this is one of the, the things that impressed the, the pagan Romans about the Christian martyrs was not that they were willing to die for their faith. There were plenty of people who were willing to die for all kinds of causes and uh, pagan honor required that you died in certain circumstances that you would willingly submit to death. Uh, what it was was the joy with which they went to their deaths. Like this, this was, um, they, the fact that they were, the, a lot of these people were not particularly noble um, you know, they, they didn't occupy high echelons of uh, power. And yet, when the whole might of the Roman Empire came crashing down on them, they were at peace and joyful. So this is possible for us. Uh, it's not actually our adversities that make us unhappy. This is according to Guigo the Carthusian. Rather, our adversities indicate uh, something about the unhappiness that we had been unable to see before. <laughs> that we, we carry within ourselves, the, the lack of contentment that we have. And so when things don't go our way and we, we feel pain and bitterness and anger, that's revealing to us who we are uh, rather than uh, being some external obstacle to our happiness. It's showing us what our internal obstacles are. So the, the cross offers us a chance to see the truth about ourselves. Uh, there's two respects to this. First of all, again, Christ became a man like us in order to share the struggle with us. So when I'm struggling with anger or sadness, or if I'm struggling with feelings of worthlessness, uh, Christ is with me. He's offering his friendship and his acceptance. 
uh, if, uh, but he can't accept this. He can't offer his acceptance if we don't offer it to him. <laughs> if, we don't, if we don't give him something to accept about us, if we don't share the struggle that we have, we're not going to experience his acceptance. If, if we use anger as a way to retreat from Christ and shelter ourselves and not pray or feel resentful toward God or ashamed because we're not better than we are and so we're afraid that Christ will reject us, um, then we're not able to offer ourselves. We're not able to experience his love and acceptance and forgiveness. So that's very important. And we know that he's like this because we can see it in the Gospels over and over again. Um, you know, even in, in something like anger, if you think about uh, uh, demoniacs in the Gospels, when, when Jesus gets closer, uh, the demons, you know, throw these persons on the ground. They, they get very angry. Uh, and anger is a kind of demonic uh, manifestation when it's not properly channeled against evil and it's just a kind of rage or, or anger against people or resentment. Um, and uh, Jesus does not run away or shame people in those circumstances. He, he goes toward them and drives out the angry demon. And uh, so again, we, we should try to stay close to Christ even when uh, we're... Uh, it's, it's difficult, and anger is a difficult one, so we have to try to calm ourselves down first. But we should always go toward Christ, not away. So secondly, um, when we see more of the truth about ourselves, this is a path to actually a deeper acceptance of ourselves. So a lot of times when we don't accept ourselves, it's because, we again, we look mostly at our flaws. And I'm not even saying that we look at our virtues. I say that we see ourselves as Christ sees us, and that is worthy of acceptance. That we're worthy of redemption, worthy of divinization even. Uh, so, Paul tells us we should welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. And in my experience, this begins with welcoming and accepting ourselves, being welcomed by Christ, uh, right? That he welcomes us. And so, experiencing his welcome and acceptance I give that to myself, first of all, and then I can offer it to others as well. Um, when Peter uh, realized the truth about himself, this happens a couple of times, and of course, because I was given this name, I, my ears always perk up when I hear Peter being mentioned in the Gospels, and he fails a lot, you know. Um, uh, when he falls down before Jesus in Luke's gospel and says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Uh, Jesus just goes right over it. It's like, nah, uh, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So get up and I've got a job for you. Um, so Peter recognizes the truth about himself and, and Jesus you know, immediately sends him on his way. Uh, he teaches him how to be a disciple. Uh, so it's possible, again, to take a chance on being grateful in all circumstances, even when things are not going well, as, as we see it. That's our, our impression. We can't see the full truth of anything that's happening to us. Uh, oddly enough, uh, the, the, the person who says this most frequently these days, it seems to me, we don't, you don't hear this from Christians. We should just acknowledge that only God knows everything. We don't know everything. There's lots that is mysterious to us. Life is complicated. We don't have to figure it out. Another quote I just saw recently from Father Thomas Hopko, the Orthodox priest, was, you know, don't analyze things. <laughs> um, 
don't don't spend time on, on that kind of stuff. Uh, accept things first, and uh, uh, so life is complicated. We are complicated. We're mysteries to ourselves. How much more mysterious are other people around us? Only God knows what's going on in all of our hearts. So we can just relax. Uh, the only person who says this, as far as I know these days, is Jordan Peterson. He often says, you know, life is so complicated, we should not throw out traditions and normal ways of behaving because we just don't know what the combined wisdom of the past has. Uh, this is a, an idea that comes from Edmund Burke. He's stolen it. But uh, we just don't know what our traditions and customs uh, are protecting us against <laughs> because life is complicated. If you take one bit out of the puzzle, uh, the whole thing might fall down. Uh, so this is just to say we can be grateful in all circumstances. We don't have to figure things out first to see what God is giving us and then say thank you. <laughs> we can be thank you because we know God's giving us uh, grace in all circumstances. The other aspect of this I'll mention is uh, a very important teaching of St. John of the Cross. So he, he warns against um, putting too much emphasis on feelings or images at prayer. He says something very interesting. If, if you receive a special grace at prayer, if you are given a vision or a special feeling of consolation or uh, uh, any, any special grace like this, say thank you and then go back to your routine. Don't hang on to it. He says, uh, the danger is that we'll come to expect those things in prayer. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's not up to us to sort of maximize the effectiveness of this special grace. God's already got that taken care of. He's given us the grace. That was his gift at that moment. Um, we can be grateful for other things he's giving us at other times. We don't have to focus on the special gift because God's giving us stuff all the time. And if we focus only on those special things, we will come to be dependent in our prayer on receiving those special graces. And that'll be actually a hindrance to prayer. So one of the great, greatest mystics of the church is saying, you know, don't focus on those mystical experiences. Really interesting. Um, okay, um, winding down here today. Uh, so I'll just say again that the, the reason I'm bringing up gratitude today is that when we learn to live our lives out of this stance of gratitude, acceptance of things, when we're in that place, uh, it's much easier to let go of a lot of what we stumble over in terms of anxiety, uh, resentment, fear, uh, focusing on the negative things. Uh, and where we do have negative things about ourselves that need work, when we live out of a habit of gratitude to God, uh, we have an objectivity about ourselves that makes it much easier to deal with the negative aspects of ourselves uh, because we're not punishing ourselves for having weaknesses and, and then trying to use our own energy to fix the problem. We start from a place of being grateful to God for all the things he gives us and then from there we say, now in return for all that God has done for me, I want to work on uh, this one aspect of myself that really needs improvement. 
And then I, you know, I'm starting from a place of, of positiveness rather than a place of fear. God won't accept me unless I fix this. I won't accept myself unless I fix this. Um, and one of the reasons I, I'm sharing this with you is because my experience in spiritual direction, uh, not just in community, but with, you know, we mostly do spiritual direction for priests and seminarians. Um, this habit of focusing on the negative in myself uh, is really debilitating in the spiritual life. And again, the point is not that we focus on what's so awesome about ourselves. The point is that we focus on what we're grateful for, <laughs> what God is doing, right? So um, St. Teresa of Avila, the other great discalced Carmelite, you know, her, one of her famous quotes is, uh, we'll make much more progress in the spiritual life if we focus on God's greatness than on our own weakness, okay? But my, my experience is that lots of us tend to fall into the trap of focusing on our or somebody else's weakness. Maybe, maybe at first we focus more on other people's weaknesses because that's easier. <laughs> so it's less, it's less threatening. But once we start making some progress, we start to see all the things that are wrong with ourselves. Uh, but what we should remind ourselves over and over again is how much God has done for us. Uh, you know, focus on this guy. Um, and, and, and read up on how he treats sinners and weak people in the Gospels. You know, he's extremely patient. Where he loses his patience with the guys who have it all put together. You know, that's where, that's where Jesus is pretty, you know, critical. Um, uh, so, so let's, let's be weak. Let's just, let's let him, uh, approach us in that, that spirit. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say, this is really important. Um, so focusing first on God's gifts, but then taking that time, uh, to find those things in other people that we can praise and, and, and call attention to the good things in other people. Uh, this is really lacking in uh, civil discourse today. Civil discourse. I mean that in sort of more, most literal sense. Like it's the discourse that's going on at the level of politics. But it's, it's far from being, it's kind of like civil war. You know, it's not really civil. Um, uh, when I was in high school, my senior year in high school, uh, for our school musical, we did Godspell. And I actually was uh, given the role of Jesus, which was quite a responsibility. Uh, and I had a very good director in this musical. And he, he sat me down before we started rehearsing and he said, um, you know, you have to actually be a convincing Jesus on stage. Uh, people have to feel that you understand, you know, who Jesus is and how he treats people. So here's your assignment. After every rehearsal, we had 22 rehearsals, I still remember. After every rehearsal, I want you to go home and write one positive thing about every other lead in the show, and you can't repeat. <laughs> so you need 22 different things. And I'll say, you know, there was one guy in the cast who I'd known since grade school, and we were, you know, mortal enemies in grade school. It was a lot of work thinking of something good about him. But the thing is, it really worked. Uh, by the end of the show, I was feeling quite well disposed toward these people. And I, I learned to see things about them that I hadn't seen before. That, uh, oh, actually, this person has this quality that I wish I had, you know, a certain kind of perseverance. Um, 
But by focusing on something outside myself and looking for these little gifts because these things that other people do successfully, whatever talents they have, these are gifts from God too. You know, God has given us our talents so that we can build up the body of Christ, so we can govern creation, which is his. Uh, We can be good stewards. Um, When we start to notice these things, again, it starts to help us to get some space in which to relax and you know, see things for what they are rather than getting anxious and focusing on all the negative stuff, which is, which sells papers. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, since I was a kid, you've heard people saying, oh, why not on the news? Why don't we focus on good things? Uh, but it doesn't last because um, this is just kind of a weakness of the structure of our, our democracy is that news always tends to go toward, you know, yellow journalism. It just does. Um, and uh, it takes, so this, this is why the founders of uh, the United States uh, understood that to, be, to have a republic, you need citizens to focus on virtue because it, it has to be possible for citizens to maintain a level of objectivity about the kind of decisions that we have to make together. And uh, if you don't have that, it's, it's easier, it's a shortcut uh, to play dirty politics. <laughs> it's a shortcut to cut other people down and make deals on the side. But this will eventually cause civil unrest. And again, as Christians, we can say the practice of the virtues is central to our growth and holiness. And it's a contribution we have to make to our world to show that it's possible not to fall for those temptations, not to cut other people down unnecessarily. Um, when, when is it necessary? Uh, we, we can argue with ideas and not make it personal. You know, we can be on the side of the person and against his policies. You know, that's possible and it's desirable if the policies are bad. Um, but, uh, you know, again, what I find is that the where people are at, it tends to be so wound up about uh, fear of, of being attacked, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So start with gratitude to God, and then from there move on to finding what is praiseworthy in others. There's always something praiseworthy in somebody we know, right? There's always something we can find. And uh, once we start doing that again, then we will be uh, much more convincing to them as a witness to the gospel because we'll, we'll have some, some of the beginnings of real love for that person rather than just uh, you know kind of a boilerplate. Uh, everybody should do this and then I'll, I'll love you. you know? <laughs> um, there was that play that ran in Chicago for many years. I'd see the, the name of it on the bus. You know, I love you, you're perfect, now change. <laughs> and this is always the temptation, but we only have... Uh, we can only change ourselves, and we start by changing ourselves to comport with our Eucharistic gospel, which is Thanksgiving. So thank you so much for, for listening to all that today. Uh, we have five minutes if you have any questions or comments on anything I've said. Uh, I was yeah. just going to, uh, when you were telling us about your experience with uh, Godspell and that exercise of yeah. finding positive things, I heard about something on a, on a podcast uh, just the other day about some Protestant pastor who who had his congregation go through a 
21 day no complaint challenge or something like uh, that. Yeah. And I guess the people who did it, they found their, their, their mentality transformed in a very short period of time. You know, just That's great. Don't actually, you know, went through that. It seems analogous to what you're describing. And, and you know, uh, one of the things St. Benedict is harshest on is murmuring, right? So any complaining, he doesn't want complaining. Uh, he recognizes that sometimes it's legitimate. Sometimes uh, persons are put upon and they need to be able to raise issues with the superiors in the monastery. But then he warns the superiors, you know, don't, don't give the brothers grounds for complaining. And uh, so that is the opposite. It's kind of a spirit of murmuring. Uh, so that's great. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I didn't expect, I mean, I, I was young and I didn't, I don't know that I had expectations beyond, you know, the next day or two for the most part. But when I got down, I was quite amazed to see how much I changed and how I looked at the other people in the cast. You know, I just, I hadn't thought about them as people in the same way before that, you know. So well, let's, uh, let's uh, offer a prayer together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. Our Holy Father, St. Benedict, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.